back to the We Are Wave Makers podcast, where we explore the intersection of purpose, passion, and how it connects to holistic marketing for businesses. Presented by the Wave Makers Collective, we invite you to sit back and tune in to conversations with experts from Southeast Asia on how businesses can apply the holistic marketing approach to grow their business. I'm your host, Nazira Hashim, and I am thrilled to introduce you to our guest of the day, Jessica Schwarze an author and exceptional leader who has been at the helm of driving B2B solutions across the vast and diverse landscape of Asia-Pacific. Having worked in B2B for SaaS companies such as Confluent, Software AG, and most recently a startup called Nimbly Technologies, Jessica is no stranger to coming up with creative marketing tactics to reach the ideal target audience. With over 25 years of experience in the field, she has a proven track record in building world-class demand gen campaigns cultivating diverse teams and scaling regional operations to new heights. And this year, she published her first book, The Ultimate B2B Marketing List, 200 plus innovative tactics you need to try, which you can see up here, guys. And it's really uh, packed with amazing ideas that a company can apply to generate leads for their own business, even if they are on a tight budget. That's right. That's amazing. (laughs) Having read this book myself, I have to say I'm excited to have you on the show, to have you share more insights on what it means to tailor strategies for targeted engagement. So, welcome, Jessica. Thank you. And what an introduction. Very happy with that. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm I... very appreciative. And yeah, but the only thing is that, yeah, 25 years, you can calculate my age. <laughs> Not young anymore. <laughs> it's okay. They're, you're wiser and that's what matters. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So actually, I wanted to start right into it. Um, you know, I've been reading your book and I've been following you on LinkedIn for the last year plus. Um, you know, you've given some really great insights on B2B marketing as a whole. Why don't you tell me a little bit more about the book? What drove you to be, you know, inspired to write it? Yeah, so, you know, in the past, before joining Nimbly Technologies, I've always worked for large multinational companies, mm-hmm. including SAP. If you are in the tech world, everyone would know yeah. SAP is the largest software company in Germany. Yeah. And for enterprise solutions, it's one of the largest top ones in the world. So I was in SAP for 10 years and then following that software AG, uh, quite not as big as SAP, but the second biggest in Germany, also a global organization, and then Confluent Inc., which they call a startup, you know, but they made uh, at the time when I joined already around 300 to 400 million uh, US dollars per year. Wow. So you can't really call that a startup, no. right? <laughs> now, what happened was after that, I got an opportunity opportunity to work for a small startup in its truest sense based out of Asia here, namely technologies. And, you know, of course, the change is, I mean, it was quite um, profound working from large organizations and then moving to a really small startup. But I do appreciate it because we are forced to be very creative working in large um, organizations, you have global teams to support you, huge budgets, um, and you are normally a part of a very, very big team. You know, there are, there's a team dedicated for a website, for uh, search engine optimization, and all these other areas. Now, working for Nimbly, suddenly you have to do everything at a very small scale, at a very small budget. 
And so in Singapore, I still keep in touch with my peers. So these are marketing leaders in B2B, but they work for multinationals. And I would regularly meet up with them to see what's going on, you know, in the industry and learn and discuss best practices and so on. So after I work for Nimbly, we are forced to be innovative because the budget is really small. But of course, the demands of the business was still very high to deliver pipeline that closes. And so me and my team, it's not just me, I give credit to the amazing team that I had as well. We really did all we can to find all these uh, tricks and hacks, you know, to drive pipeline at minimal or at no cost. So I start developing this list, you see. And then when I meet with my uh, counterparts uh, or my peers in Singapore, and I, I told them about these things, I was quite surprised that uh, most of them do not know of these hacks. And why? It's because they have big budgets and they normally work with agencies. They're yeah. not so hands-on. Mm -hmm. And now I actually am able to really go behind the curtain and uncover all these tricks and hacks. And I thought like, maybe I should write about this because <laughs> people are just so surprised about uh, these uh, innovative tactics as uh, the tagline indicates. And so I started listing those tactics. Initially it was 300. I chose the 200 best and then started developing this book. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, I, the book itself has really taught me a lot on um, the aspects of B2B marketing. I mean, I know you're, you have experience in ABM, which is account-based marketing. Yes. And, you know, within that, there's so much techniques that we can apply. Um, and then, of course, there's the general stuff in marketing that also will help a B2B business grow. And in your case, it's the SaaS industry. Yes, I that's mean, right. And in SaaS, it's always... It's always depending on the audience, right? Yeah. And so my next question really for you is, uh, how do we create a tactic, or if you may, that really engages with a specific audience in the world of B2B? What are the key elements that we need to prepare? You know, you worked with a small startup. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what are the first things a marketing department needs to start thinking about in order yeah. for us to really target our, their ideal customer profiles. Yeah, absolutely. So before jumping in and running campaigns, this was my early days, my mistake really. I just wanted to deliver results so quickly without doing the groundwork. And the groundwork is absolutely essential. And that's why in the book, the first chapter, it's about getting to know your customers intimately. So mm -hmm. this is the foundation for all the tactics and programs that you build on top of it. So the first thing is to try to understand your customer as intimately as possible. How you can do this is to look at existing customers for, you know, uh, companies who have been around for a couple of years and then try to build, like, you, you try to identify patterns, like who are the job titles typically involved in the buying process? Why did they decide to buy? So you can build a value prop that addresses their pain points, for example, yeah. and also objections, right? The loss analysis. So why did some of people in the same industry and job title decide not to buy? Yeah. That's also important. And this is just the initial layer. But in my book, I highlighted how beneficial it is when you already have existing customers to, you know, just do a gathering and have a face-to-face -face interaction with them. Mm -hmm. And for marketing to be proactive in this regard and say, let's organize a nice dinner, a nice lunch. And most people are very open to them. It's also, okay, I can network. 
and you know it's for a good cause this vendor or this partner they want to learn more about us and serve us better you develop a list of questions and just interact with them and gather as much information for example where do they research on a particular solution or what are their key problems what is the elements that they're not happy about in the solution that we're offering the list goes on yeah. and this you build a report and it will be a starting point for all content development and campaigns that you run following that it's extremely powerful and should never be ignored so that is one right mm-hmm. another one of course is to this is just without talking to the customers directly it is looking into the existing customer base in the systems that you use and then like i mentioned earlier identify patterns okay these are the top job titles top industries top geography and then you can find your low hanging fruits mm-hmm. and those are the accounts that you should be after or job titles that you should be after so the first step is research absolutely i'm a big fan of research and learning and i think um if we don't learn about our ideal target audience and really just really like you said meet up with them or yes. or really just try to understand them from a human perspective yes. right they're not just a cog in the wheel we'd like to imagine that they're not you know they're humans so That's i right. feel it's really important that in today's age in the world of b2b that we're not just thinking it's a a transactional relationship building Absolutely. for business right yeah. so that that kind of leads me to my next question yes. what kind of um content if we were to prioritize a b2b um company what sort of content would they need to develop to really kick off their tactics i mean would you say is the website a priority or is it the the blogging like what where where would you start after knowing the research website of course is absolutely critical but what i've learned if you want quick wins What you do is you sit down with the sales organization and based on the research of existing customers if you do not have existing customers yet you know you can create a dream customer list that you will feel they will benefit the most from the solution that you're offering so that is a wonderful uh, starting point and you focus right so you focus based on the potential revenue that each of these accounts can deliver to your company it's mm-hmm. fairly easy to do and then you create a priority list of focused accounts and for depersonalization i would go for the top 10 let's say okay and even if you do this well just the top 10 so you develop a commonalities between these top 10 accounts let's mm-hmm. say oh wow okay the top industry is financial services the top key challenges is this and you know there are tools that you can find about the trending topics in this particular field mm-hmm. and then you build be- uh, you develop content addressing those yes and then you distribute that content through various channels to get them to engage with you but then oh. you focus on a specific accounts now this will give you potentially huge returns in a dream world you can do this to all accounts but yeah. we are so limited in time resources budget yeah. i would focus on let's say the top 10 accounts get them to engage with you now for the rest of course the website plays a major major role because the website is a representation of your company you know you should be proud of your website mm-hmm. from the design branding perspective but also content ensure that the keywords are right and what i love in this day and age you know there which i highlighted in my book as well there are hacks and tools and solutions available out there where you can easily 
find out competitor strategies. Absolutely. Benchmark yourself against it. See what works. Copy it, make it better. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I love that. I agree. I mean, you know, having a website is definitely something that is fundamental. It doesn't matter what industry you are, I feel. Um, in, in the world of business, having no website makes you look less professional. Absolutely. And of course, in any startup, tech startup, no website and no information. Like I, I've worked with young startups most of my career and I, I noticed that their priority for their website and content creation in the world of B2B, they don't really pay attention to it when there's actually, like you said, su such high value when you focus on noticing what their customer pain points are and utilizing that as content. And it's very simple in that sense because it's like when you come in there, you feel like you can trust them, that they yes. know what they're talking about, you yes. know? And that's actually a really quick win that you can do because you have technologies these days like ChatGPT, yes. <laughs> um, which really... <laughs> which I love. Yeah. <laughs> I love it too. <laughs> which actually I really wanted to talk to you about yeah. because I noticed that in an element of your book, you mentioned yes. that you know it's supported a little bit by ChatGPT. Yeah. Maybe you can explain a little bit more the process of creating a book like this with that, you yes. know? So, okay, I would not say, you know, there's articles going around that says like, oh, you can publish a book using ChatGPT, but, you know, at this point in time, no, not yet. Yeah. It's very repetitive. It yes. doesn't go deep. And also you lose your personal perspective. Now, my book has sold maybe around 500 now, and I believe people buy it. And also the reviews are good because they can see that it is authentically from me and it is reflecting my experience. ChatGPT, of course I tried, yeah. you know, uh, like, okay, write me a paragraph or a copy about, okay, let's say personalization in yeah. B2B. It will write it, but it's very, very gener it generic is. It and is. Uh, repetitive as well, mm -hmm. you know, but it is super helpful when you have a writer's block, happens all the time. Yes. And you say like, okay, write me a nice introduction. These are the points I want to say. And then it comes out. Still, you need to edit it a little For bit. For sure. But it saves you hours of time. Writer's yeah. block. You can just sit there. It's like, oh, I cannot move. But then it's, it helps you in that regard. And also summarizing. Like you just can write something from yourself. And it can be a bit disorganized. But you just want to, you know, puke is not a good word. But literally just puking all the ideas into a sheet. Yes. And then you put it into ChatGPT and say, write me a cohesive, cohesive copy based on all the points that I put in there. And then within seconds. So that helps a lot. And proofreading as well, making yeah. sure I don't have any grammatical errors or, or the style can be improved, make it shorter, longer, make it more personal, make it more engaging. Yep. So that is super useful. But the content itself, it has to be you. Yes, I, I, I agree 100%. I mean, you know, I encourage my team to utilize it for writer's block purposes but I definitely believe that and also I remind them fact check always fact check AI is still trying to learn the world and you know a chat GPT has only reached knowledge up to 2021 and yes. we're already in 2023 That's right. so the relevance doesn't always seem to be accurate and one thing we always need to do is always fact check the AI itself 
And I've used it mainly for, like you said, it's just a way to structure um, sentences that maybe I didn't know how to say it. And a lot of times you're right, it's repetitive and in which case you still have to edit. So I wouldn't say you can write a book with ChatGPT. (laughs) (laughs) You can can have support in thought process is what I like to call it, I think. And actually some concepts that are new, uh, like you mentioned, it's until 21, right? Some concept which are new, uh, like in my book, I, I wrote about the skyscraper technique in search engine optimization. I fed that to ChatGPT and they gave a completely wrong definition. <laughs> so yeah, you need to fact check, but super helpful though. I mean, yeah. I love it. It really saves a lot of time, and yeah. especially the writer's block. You can get over it. Yeah. And, and, you know, speaking of AI technology and the world of B2B, what are your thoughts on how B2Bs can actually personalize their content with the help of AI. Do you, do you see any trends or ideas that could work? Yeah, for sure. So once you do the research that I mentioned earlier, and you identify the top accounts that you want to build a relationship or connect with, you want them to read your content and they should feel like, wow, this acutely resonates to my challenges. Yeah. So what you can do with ChatGPT is give the profile the challenges, Mm -hmm. and then your solution. And you can ask ChatGPT to create, let's say, a short email or a short ad copy based on the information that you provide. But like you said, it's never perfect. Oftentimes, it's too long. And then sometimes in the beginning, they just say too much at the end. Also, in summary, in summary, they summarize everything. No, you don't need that. You know, it's repetitive. But it's a great start. It's quick. Yes, exactly. I think a lot of the startups that I work with right now utilize it to really just as you said earlier, word vomit. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Word vomit their thoughts because they want it to be structured in such a way that's, you know, good or rather flowing better. And I think what the AI does is really to help you give you better flow. And for a B2B company, I really believe that is important because time is money, That's as right. we know, and it's valuable. And we, if you can have the technology to support you in creating more meaningful content of course with your eyes reviewing it but then you know it will work i mean the ai can help for sure yeah and it's very fast that's amazing to hear (laughs) you know i i also would like to hear a little bit more about the challenges that b2b's like you know they go through challenges especially when we talk about startups because you worked with startups what are the typical challenges and if you were to do a reflection like what would you do the tactics that you would apply, if at all, uh, to support B2Bs in the future, especially for startups? B2B startups, right? Okay, so this is one major key takeaway that I learned, Yes. Uh, which brings the largest, what do you call, bang for your buck, right? Yeah. So in, at Namely Technologies, I felt really fortunate to be given the responsibility to run the SDR team as well, the sales development rep team. Sometimes you call it business development rep team. Sometimes you call it inside sales. But just having that as a core function within the marketing umbrella and then delivering to them content that would highly resonate to the job titles and accounts that we are targeting. Again, I always say we need to have a focused approach, yeah. not just send to everyone. Yeah. I'll talk a bit about that later, though. There are benefits to that as yeah, well. Yeah. But having a focused approach and then 
guiding your team in delivering messages that truly resonates with the target audience using SDR outreach has been extremely effective Mm -hmm. in delivering meetings. And like even for companies that are not well known, but being able to deliver meetings with senior executive level, you know, professionals. And the key is, again, the content that truly or acutely resonates with the target audience Mm -hmm. based on the research that you do and you build an account list and reach out to them using the SDR function has been extremely effective. Now, it will be even more effective. Of course, marketing plays a role as well in developing content and assets that is aligned to uh, the target market. Mm. Because people don't always reply, even though the message, they feel like, wow, this is really great, but they're busy. So what you can do is do it like a soft touch uh, email trip, send them, hey, we've did this research on a particular subject matter that is of interest to them, and then continue with that kind of soft selling approach, giving valuable data for free. Mm. You know, so this is what... I think is uh, very effective. And of course, what comes with it is just this very tight collaboration between the SDR team and marketing and then sales later on as well. Mm, I see, I see. Yeah, it's always the challenge, right? Um, to work just to rely on marketing sometimes is a very difficult task. Yeah, um, and sometimes and... people expect it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. I mean, it happens, but truth be told, it's a funnel, right? Yes. And so, you know, it takes a bit of time to nurture the relationship. Yes. And on top of that, of course, if you have the for- like you have the fortunate ability to have an SDR, most B2B startups don't afford it. They can't afford yes. it. And yes. uh, you know, they're relying on marketing. And so I think marketing uh, startup, if they're listening, right? Startup marketing leads, they're listening to this, this would be very valuable to even consider one headcount in SDR would even probably go miles for you guys. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because, you know, immediate follow-up, they did the studies, right? If you follow up within 24 hours, the conversion from a lead to a meeting jumps by staggering 80%. Mm-hmm. But it has to be followed up within 24 hours. And every day, the percentage goes lower and lower. And before you know it, they already forgot about you. Yes. They went to a competitor. Yes, that's you know? so true. I mean, you can even see this in data when you look at the analytics of a website. When you look at the Google Analytics, when do they drop? Uh, they come back, the lifetime value of their the website, right? And the content they visit. They may like at this moment, they, they downloaded the ebook. Yes. And then nobody's following up doesn't do anything exactly. you know so although if you remember at nimbly there were some instances where they downloaded the ebook and then they called and said you know we're really interested yep. and then a deal happens within months but i mean those are rarity if you have a strict sla or and a process in place yeah you know you can accelerate that yes absolutely absolutely all yeah. right that's that's really good uh insights from you i just have one more question honestly sure. What kind of trends or technologies could be the future of B2B marketing in terms of what you've seen? I mean, you're, you're probably more updated than me. Tell me, what do you think? What do our listeners need to know? Okay, so the thing about MarTech, you know, it's getting overwhelming. There's so much out there. Um, I would say probably close to a thousand technologies that can support the marketing function. But I believe that driving intelligence is 
critical, right? So even startups, they need to invest in technologies that can help them drive insight-driven decisions. Right. That is really, really critical. Yeah. And if you just rely on Excel, that will not be sufficient mm-hmm. because you need to see the trends and how things are developing and also identify customer behavior. Mm-hmm. The big thing now is contextual marketing, if you heard about it. Mm-hmm. So personalization is no longer just about, let's say, geography, job title, but also how they have interacted with your assets and content or even external content yes. in the last month, like intent data. You combine all of that together and then you can reach out to them you know, via email through marketing or via the SDR team in a very meaningful way. Yeah. Not a creepy way, though. It can get creepy because, like, <laughs> how do you know that I was reading this, 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 this? <laughs> it's kind of like, mm, a I... kind of stalkerish, right? <laughs> but it's moving in this direction where everything becomes extremely visible. Yeah. I think that transparency within, you know, the B2B marketing world is actually welcomed if you actually give the disclaimer. Like I like that you gave that disclaimer in your book because it allows people to understand your style. And uh, I think in today, like you said, it's going to get more and more, you know, vast, the world of technology and MarTech. And if it's anything, we need to be more transparent with what we utilize and actually be able to let our potential customers know that this is our way of approaching you in a more authentic manner. Yes, a meaningful way. Exactly. It's it's not like we're just coming in and bombarding you with information. I think that's so much more powerful than actually just sending information without thinking about that person in mind. Thank you, Jessica, for coming on to the show. We really appreciate all the insights you shared on tailoring a personalized B2B strategy that engages with the business audience. I'm pretty sure our listeners have learned a lot and would be happy to have you back on the show. If you're interested in reading her book, you can find it at her website at www.jessicashrazit.com. I highly recommend reading it, especially if you're in B2B marketing. And that wraps up our seventh episode. And if you enjoyed what you've heard, do give us a follow at wavemakers.co on our Instagram to stay updated on our latest episodes. Thanks for tuning in. 